to Service Course by The Cycling Podcast, powered by Super Sapiens, energy management for committed athletes and coaches. Hello, welcome to a rather breathless service course. I'm Tom Wally. And I'm Lizzie Banks. And well, where are we, Tom? <laughs> we are, well, for the second day running, we are in uh, the velodrome in, in Roubaix, awaiting the finish of the Paris-Roubaix men's race this time. We were supposed to be having quite a relaxed day today. Go to the start, speak to a lot of riders, a lot of staff, go to the Arenberg, make it to the finish yeah. in good time. Yeah, we had we had two hours that the riders were going to take to pass between the Arenberg and Roubaix Velodrome, and we had 35 minutes to do it, so no problem. I mean, yesterday we had, we had 35 minutes and the riders had 35k, so it was pretty tight and we still made it. But we had a little bit of a problem. Uh, we went through the PPO, which is the official um, place that, that you pass if you've got a sticker for the race uh, in order to, to get through into the parking uh, because all the roads are blocked, are blocked around Roubaix and they wouldn't let us through. <laughs> so we had Podcar 1. I was in Podcar 1. You were in Podcar 2. I swapped uh, cars mid, midway through the day in a, in a race to, to make the velodrome. Yeah, you... <laughs> so I lost you, you in the Arenberg. You didn't run fast enough through the Arenberg. Well, I did run fast did enough. You? I just waited too long to start running. That was the problem. <laughs> um, but a, an absolutely breathless chase. I mean, we've done more U-turns than the Tory government um, over the last... With <laughs> and I feel so bad. I had to abandon your husband. I had to just get out of the car and run here and ask you to carry my rather heavy bag. And I, Tom, had to take your bag from Podcar 1, run to Podcar 2, direct Podcar 2 about where to park. We couldn't park, so we just left it on the street. Sorry to the person's garage who we parked a little bit in front of, but I think you can get out. And then I ran back here, and finally we've made it. And uh, I even got your bag searched, and they said, is there any beer in there? And I actually brought you a gift of Jurassian beer, so I had to pull your clothes out and pretend that the beer wasn't in there, and it is, so don't do anything irresponsible with it, Tom. Well, if service course is interrupted by any loud uh, cheers, that's because the race, there is, what, 9K to go? At the moment, as we speak, Matthew van der Poel is clear. Loads has happened. I can't tell you all about it because this is a service course. Listen to a Reve to get the full breakdown and hopefully a friend special uh, from this absolutely breathless, well, two breathless editions of Paris-Roubaix. Well, we're bringing you service course live, really, for the first time, aren't we? So, I mean, we've had a really interesting day in the paddock yesterday and today looking at the equipment you know, really up close to the equipment of the different teams, um, touching the winner's bike yesterday. And, um, well, we've had some really, really interesting ch- chats, haven't we, Tom? I mean, what were the key things that we were looking at? The key things, well, a lot of it was about, uh, you know, tyre uh, t- uh, pressure, well, tyre inflation systems, um, which, well, <laughs> Lionel, I spoke to Lionel a minute ago, and Lionel made a joke that Wout Van Aert's... Um, self-inflating tyres and now self-deflating tyres which is uh, very Lionel but so yeah we've been looking at that we should probably cross now back to the start and a couple of the, those conversations we had uh, we yeah. also spoke to, to, to uh, John Dagenkolb's mechanic and obviously John Dagenkolb has had a fantastic race until 
a couple of minutes ago when he crashed on the oh, cobbles. Oh, I didn't see that. That was when I was running to the velodrome. Oh, no. It was very dramatic. It got squeezed um, oh, between the two no. um, uh, Alpsen de, de Koenig uh, riders. So, yeah, so we spoke about his bike. Um, so let's cross now to earlier in the day. So this is a bike of a, well, another former winner. Winner when I was here, 2015. Got an Easter egg uh, on the top tube. Jacob, listen, I was talking about Easter. Look at that. That is a nice bit of detail. <laughs> on, the, on the top tube of, uh, well, it must, be, it must be Dagen Cobb's bike, I'm sure. There is um, uh, an Easter egg on the top tube. It's great. Yeah, that's uh, from the kids from John. They painted him an Easter egg for oh, Easter. Yeah. Oh, that is so sweet. That was it. That his kids just here. Just yeah, yeah, exactly. Oh, that is so sweet. Yes. So a special Easter. I think they also put something on this uh, on this frame when he won uh, in 2015. So it's kind of a repeated, oh, repetitive thing that uh, because it's always close to Easter, the race that they put something on this. Oh, it's like a lucky charm. That's yeah. really no, that's really that sweet. Really nice. So we were joking in the on the in the car the way up that if I was doing the musette bag today, I'd put a little Easter egg in there and stuff. These guys all thought I was an idiot. <laughs> but like, is there anything in there? Any treats in I the bags I today? I, I don't believe so. I but, think uh, there is. I, yeah. I think there's something we're not being told. On the DSM bikes, there's a little difference. Do you know what that scope is under the stem? There's a couple of the bikes that are running that. Yeah, that's for the that's for the scope Atmos tire pressure system. Ah, oh, is that what that is? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, look, it's there. And then you can see the buttons. There's so there's two buttons. So underneath underneath the stem, there is a what? Well, we could call it a junction box. It's what looks like an old DI2 junction box. Uh, and then either side of the, you know, next to where the computer mount is, but on the bars, there is two buttons, presumably one to go up, one to go down, um, on the tyre pressure system. Let's see if we can speak to one of the mechanics of DSM. So, so and, and you can see there in the disc, under the, behind the disc on the front, on, the, on both wheels, there's a large sort of blue... Yeah, it almost it? looks like a, sort of thing? Um, yeah, it almost looks like a, a dyn- dynamo hub, doesn't it? Does it fit round the hub, or is that the hub? I don't know. I need to know, we don't we? See if we can find out. So we're here with the uh, Martin mechanic from Team DSM, and we've got two riders of your team with the adjustable tyre pressure systems on. Yeah. So I learned yesterday that you have to have a complete different wheel set. So if you change the wheels uh, out on the road, you, you're going to have to be having to put another one of these. Yeah, it, it, it's, if we need to change the wheel, we can just take this one out. There's no wire or hose running from the hub to the to the frame, so we can just put basically every wheel in that we want to. Okay. Only thing is then, of course, with the new wheel, you cannot use the system because the system is integrated in the wheel. So, okay. what you take out is. Uh, and how many how many you know inflations or deflations do you have? in a it's, canister? It's uh, around five or six inflations you can do on a parkour like this. And the system works like we put uh, this reservoir uh, on pressure and then from the res- reservoir you can every time inflate the outer tire. So you release some air from the outer tire and then you can inflate again from the reservoir that's in it. Okay, but you noticed something as well, didn't you, about the, the weight? Yeah, yeah clear, clearly there's some... Uh, that's a counterweight. You mean this on the rim? Yeah. yeah. 
it's a counterweight to balance the wheel like you also have with cars for example because of the extra weight of the valve yeah because otherwise the wheel is not balanced so we need to add some extra weight when the system will be developed more and more of course it will be integrated in the uh, in the rim and have you got a tubeless setup inside that obviously you've got the no reservoir. there's no sealant in it okay this tire is um, specially made also for this wow and it's closed like this and so um, so it's almost like a double tubular tire somehow yeah there's a reservoir inside yeah and the tire itself is that good that it already closes the, the rim so, so wow. it's basically the same like uh, what you have on a car yeah oh, in the race today then so who's going to be riding this system uh, we have two riders uh, Niels Ekoff and Pavel Bidner Right. And I, I, I think I understand from yesterday speaking to the women's team mechanics, you only have two sets in the team, is that right? Uh, we have uh, two more sets, but like we did also the recon on these sets and we want to start with a fresh set also for the race, so we swapped yesterday some sets. And how did you choose which riders? Was it a case of there were two riders putting their hands up? Or? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm also not personally uh, really involved in that process, but I think it's also a bit of... Um, they, they look how which riders will be in the first part going in breakaway for example or maybe a rider volunteers for it that's also possible uh, interesting well, so we can spot who's going to be in the breakaway by which wheel sets they're using yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, so watch um, next year at this race well, you've got two riders on it do, we, do you think we'll see more, much more of these sorts of systems yeah, across the peloton you, you see it now more and more already so I can, I can imagine especially when also things keep on developing also like the shifting systems uh, the group sets of all the uh, suppliers yeah when it uh, starts somewhere and maybe other teams yeah for example when somebody wins today yes, <laughs> you never course. know eh? my final question is there a sound to it because I was, I was wondering like cause I, I'm thinking about the sound of the peloton potentially yeah, yeah, changing yeah, yeah, eventually yeah. like is ah, it the, the sound when you uh, inflate it is not not as loud right. it's just like you hear some clicks click 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 sure but when you deflate then you really hear, hear like a valve putting error that's it. i don't know if you have a cat but i have two cats and whenever i deflate my tires the cats absolutely lose that and they and i can just imagine the peloton coming along before arenberg and every cat in the whole in the whole of the arenberg area just running a mile well, it was interesting to hear from the men's DSM team mechanic there. Uh, as you may have heard, this roar from the crowd as Vanderpol very nearly went into one of those yellow and black barriers that are just on the side of Sector 2 as he's solo at the moment. Uh, how many seconds has he got? 20? I can't. 27 or Yeah, so. 27 seconds. So, oh, you don't want something like that. Uh, but what was interesting is I also spoke to the women's team mechanic because I was hoping that we might see some of these tyre pressure monitoring systems in the women's team as well because both Jumbo Visma and DSM have been trialling them. But here's what the mechanic and also Francie Koch of the women's team had to say about it. Uh, so, well, we've seen in the media that uh, the men's team have been uh, trialling the tyre pressure systems over the last year and I can't see them on any of the women's bikes. So is that something that you've chosen not to use? Uh, yeah, it is because we have only two systems that are complete. Um, so we uh, have to do it with these and uh, we are completely fine with that. Okay, so is, is it something that you maybe are trialling and might be wanting to use next year? 
uh, maybe for next year. Um, but for for now, uh, they uh, did the recon on these, and they were uh, um, they were happy about it. The grip was really good. Okay. So uh, for now, it's uh, this is what it is, and they are really happy with it. So going back to those systems, which you're not using this year, how how can how can you use them? Is it a button on the handlebars? And do you just have two set pressures and you just press up and down between them? Yeah, you can. Um, there are buttons on the handlebar to pump it up and also to uh, lose some air. Um, so the buttons are on top, mm -hmm. on top of the handlebar and there you can press what you want. And I think it was only six or seven times that you can use it. And have you trialed them at all? No, we didn't. So that's a bit sad. I've been told there's only four systems available. Exactly, like that's the biggest issue. They don't have enough also because you need a special um, spare tire or like spare wheels. Um, so they don't have enough material. Ah, that is a shame. And I also spoke to Jumbo Visma and they only have... I think actually your team has two systems and Jumbo Visma has four systems. So there are very few out there. Yeah. But I thought there'll be more available, but maybe next year. Yeah, exactly next year. They're working on it. Um, so, yeah, it's yeah. a process. Yeah. The Cycling Podcast is supported by Science in Sport. Science in Sport. Fueled by science. Maybe Paris-Roubaix was one that was just extra hard because of just the terrain, the cobblestones. This is Magnus Sheffield of Ineos Grenadiers. Uh, and everyone's just trying to make it uh, just to finish the race, just to say that they've uh, done Roubaix and they've actually made it to the velodrome. And it's just like you see guys falling down one by one. And it's really like a race of last men standing. Uh, so that's definitely like one of the darkest or hardest days on the bike so far. Back when I was little, we would, my family would go on hiking trips and my mom would count the distance of the mountain or the trip in gummy bears so she said okay this is a 10 gummy bear hiking trip i don't do it quite like that but with the nutritionist they also tell us okay these are the segments how to fuel but it would be funny if i looked at uh, the races being 200 gummy bears science in sport is made for endurance exercise whether you're riding a long way in a day or perhaps back-to-back -back days, you need to be properly fueled. And, well, you need a bit more than gummy bears. Science in Sport has everything for you before the ride, during and after your ride. The all-important recovery before you're ready to go again the next day. To check out the whole range, go to scienceinsport.com. So, Lizzie, looking at the Scope Atmos this morning... Um, what was interesting is, is your husband pointed out mm. that it, it had a it has to have a counterweight, counterweight yeah. attached to the wheel to, to, to rebalance the wheel because it is quite a bulky. I don't want to call it. I don't want to call it clunky, <laughs> but it is quite. It's very. It's very, not sleek, is it's it? Not it's sleek, not sleek. It's very, very present, and we learned there that it has you know around five inflations and, and deflations. Which is a very different story to another system being used today. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, there's been these two systems in the news, the Scope Atmos, which DSM nearly used last year, but then backed off right at the last minute. Um, but Jumbo Visma have been trialling the Grover CAPS system. So we went over the, to the buses to have a little nosy, and we just happened to bump into the inventor of the Grover CAPS system. And we had a just brilliant, long conversation with him, um, about everything really about the system about all, all about how it started so I'm not going to delay any longer because it was such a great conversation that I will just let him take it away so here you go my name is Gert-Jan 
It's a typically Dutch name. <laughs> and what's your, what's your role with the company? Uh, I'm the founder, so I'm the, one of the inventors and the founder of the company. Well, we've just been looking at the Scope Atmos that GSM are using, and I have to say that this system looks a lot sleeker, a yeah. lot sort of better integrated. One thing that we've noticed that's really interesting is the Scope Atmos had to have a counterweight on the other side of the wheels in order to, to balance the wheels, to is balance it? the extra weight. I haven't weight. seen that system at all, to be honest. Ah. Well, have you had any problems with imbalances in the wheel from the no, extra weight? because it's only a few grams. Yeah. There's no uh, need to do that. It's just a normal valve. Eh? You also don't, don't uh, balance a valve. So, how many of the system will you have in the race today? And who will be riding it? Three. So, uh, uh, Eduardo Affini, uh, Dylan van Baalen will ride it, and uh, Christopher uh, will ride it, Laporte. And how, does the, how do the riders uh, operate it? Because I can see on the handlebars just to the right of the computer mount there's a you know, device strapped to the bars. Um, how do the riders actually operate the system to, to put the pressure up and down? Well, it's really simple. You will see the pressure settings on your Garmin. Yeah. So they can just see which uh, field they are in. So there are three or four pressure settings. We, we've uh, made them up front. So, uh, um, and you can just toggle through these pressure set settings. So the left button on the handlebars is down, so to the lower level. So these buttons here are, these are for the... Yeah. Ah, so they're not blip shifters for the gears, they're no. shifters for the, yeah. the gravity cap system. Yeah, for the cap system. And is it independent? Can you do the front wheel and the rear wheel no. independently? No, so it's, it's, uh, it's a system, so it's a clo it's closed system. So uh, the front wheel is the master, so it's dominant. And it gives uh, yeah, uh, wireless communication to the rear and to the button unit and to your Garmin. And how many, one of the things we're going to ask about, how many pumps up and down can you do? It's unlimited. Unlimited? You can also do it 100,000 times. Unlimited? Yeah, it's, so it's unlimited. It's very different to the other It's very system. different, yeah. The other system, yeah, honestly, if you yeah, take into account all the systems that already have, have been developed in the last 10, 20 years, it's more like in that corner. Huh? So it's a pressure vessel, as I understood it right. Yeah, as for example, 20 years ago, we had already Adaptrack. It's an American brand. I think it still exists. Yeah, it's basically the same. It's a pressure vessel, only, as I understood it right, at DSM, it's in the rotating world. Adaptrack has it on the frame, but the principle is the same. And this is a pump unit with a clutch mechanism, and this pump is driven by the wheels. So if you inflate your tires, then the pump goes on, and it consumes between 2.5 and 4 watts. Once you reach the set point, then there's a clutch mechanism and the pump switches off. So this is why it's unlimited. And it takes in air from the atmosphere. So there's a hydrophobic filter between the end or be behind the end caps. And it yeah, takes in air from the atmosphere and also release air from the to the atmosphere. So it wouldn't be a problem if it was a super wet Paris-Roubaix, for instance? No, no actually, <laughs> they tested uh, last Thursday and it yeah. was super wet. Nothing happened. Well, that is very smart. And we were also learning that it's actually a completely closed system, so there's no need for tubeless sealant or anything. Is there is tubeless same? sealant in, they are tubeless. Ah, okay. So, so ah. can you tell us what the inside of the tyre were to look like if we were to take a knife and cut through it right now? Not the same as a normal tyre. Ah, okay. Very different then, again, a very different system. It's just a tyre. These are the Vittoria Pro, uh, Corsa Pro tyres. And we have a special valve on top with a sealant filter and it separates air from sealant. So it leaves in the sealant in the tire and it takes out air. That is fascinating. I was expecting the systems to be so similar and actually they're really quite different on a number of No, levels. actually they had a few punctures uh, last Thursday. 
but it just could go on. Because if you have it sealed, it can go on. So tell us, have you got a cycling background yourself? Uh, yeah, a little, just as an amateur. I'm, uh, yeah, I used to motorbike a lot. Okay. And this is also, uh, I did some beach races. Yeah. Typically in the Netherlands, you have these beach races. And uh, like, uh, yeah, back in 2014, I live in the province Zeeland, so it's at coast, Zeeland. Huh? And we have uh, yeah the beach marathon there, and it's like 25 k's over the beach, then 15 k or 10, 13, 14 over the asphalt to the other island because okay. it's our islands over there, and then back onto the beach again. And uh, yeah, at that point, I saw all these people with the, their CO2 cartridges stopping. <laughs> I thought this was ridiculous. Why a system to inflate your tire pressure on the go didn't exist? And this is the start of the development. And what were you doing were you, what, for work what, at the time? What were you doing? Are you, I was are you a, an inventor? Are you, no, you know, I was a project engineer? leader at a big building company, at a real estate company. Ah. So I don't have the background at all. <laughs> yeah, technical background, but not in the mechanical uh, world. So uh, more in uh, building structures. So how did you then go about like creating this system? Do you have yeah. to like, hire sort of, have an idea and then hire people? I had a high level it? ID. So, uh, and I formed uh, the basic requirements, so how big it should be, what the capacity should be, how much the power consumption could be, uh, the, uh, so all these things. So these are maybe like six or eight main requirements. So and I knew that was possible, so, so I made some calculations myself. And I went to, uh, yeah, to a big engineers company in the Netherlands back in 2016, which is really uh, one of the biggest in the Netherlands, Demcon. Uh, it's a mechatronic development company. And there they were this enthusiastic about the, yeah, the potential of the technology that they started the development, uh, feasibility phase. Yeah, so we had a, back in 2017 at the end, I had a patent position and we had the feasibility phase of the pump, of the clutch, of the electronics. But it was just on the table, eh? so uh, only that feasibility. But this, together with the patent position, made it able for me yeah, to collect a lot of money and also subsidy from the European Union. So we. Back in 2018, we already collected millions, and this made it able to, find, yeah, to collect or to build our own engineering team with lab facilities, an own office, own work space. Yeah, and this is where we are now. So your life must have changed massively then. Yeah, right? you know, it is. <laughs> now you're stood here. You know, the current champion has, is on your system. Yeah. Can you believe that? Yeah, it's unbelievable. But uh, honestly, uh, last three, four weeks were a ro roller coaster for me. So I'm just a happy man if they just started at uh, 10 uh, past 11 and then uh, everything is okay. Yeah, it's on, it's on the bikes <laughs> and it's about 20 minutes to go to the start. So yeah. I, think, I think you're good now. And, and has this system been used in mountain biking racing as well? Because I can see that there's yeah. a really, I mean, obviously in, in road cycling, this is a very different race to what we see most of the year in road yeah. cycling. I think our biggest market, market is in gravel biking. Yeah. The potential is enormous in that. Mm -hmm. yes. We also uh, received the first orders from uh, OEM orders from a few well-known uh, gravel bike brands, the, 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 the biggest brands. So yeah, I think that's where the market is for us. Also mountain biking, of course, but then I would use it more for marathons. So for long distance mountain biking, yeah. that would be ideal. But if you have a closed loop for three, four kilometers, yeah. Not enough time. It, you don't have enough time, I think. It, it would help huh, to, to avoid punctures, uh, etc. Huh? But for example, for the Cape Epic, it would be ideal. Yeah. Like one last question. I mean, it looks quite a simple. It's quite a simple system. You're saying you know regular tyres work with it and stuff. So when when it, when's it going to come down to people like me? You can just order it. I, I can't. Uh, I don't know if you can afford it, but uh, you can order it. <laughs> how, how, much <laughs> it how much does it cost? The complete wheel set is uh, available online because we shoot. Otherwise, uh, they will, would not allow you to ride. 
So together with Reserve, we have them online uh, available. And the price is uh, almost 4,300 euros. Well, listen, good luck today. Yeah, and, thank uh, you very good much. Good luck with the system. Good luck. And we'll see you in the velodrome, maybe. Yeah, maybe. <laughs> Interesting there. The, um, the difference between the two systems is very evident. The, Jumbo Visma, the system that Jumbo Visma are using, no counterweight. It's easy to miss it. It's very slick. Yeah, absolutely. When you have a first glance at the bikes, I, I was looking for it and I saw, oh yeah, there's one bike with it. And there was actually, I think there was three riders riding it. And there's actually one bike I didn't spot because... It's so much slimmer, uh, it's so much more sort of integrated, um, and the fact that, like you were saying, you can have as many inflations or deflations as you like means that it's so much more versatile, um, you know, it's definitely got uses in, in other, other areas, yeah, yeah. Other, other disciplines. And it's, yeah. and it's the system, I mean, they are radically different, you know, the, we, we learned that the Scope Atmos has almost, it's like a tyre within a tyre. Yeah. Whereas, whereas that's what really surprised yeah. me. That's what really, really surprised me actually. And also learning that those two systems had such different tyre setups that the tyre within the tyre of the Scope Atmos uh, and that the Gravit Caps was basically just a tubeless tyre. Um, so yeah, I think that those systems will, well, obviously we'll see how they really fared today. Um, and I think that those systems will probably become more prevalent as there are more of them and potentially as the price as, comes down as well. As oh, well, Van Art attacks goodness. from the uh, from the chasing group, closely like followed by really Philipson. building in the velodrome here. It's absolutely packed in here and it's a beautiful sunny day as well. Uh, Lizzie, uh, while we were there, did we notice any other stuff? I mean, I tell well, you yeah, what I noticed. Thing. It, wasn't just, it wasn't just all about tyre pressure systems, No, 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 no not, at all, not at all. I mean, one of the things I noticed is was not uh, something new, but rather the absence of something. Yeah. Suspension systems, almost totally absent today. Absolutely. Um, I think of, of Roubaix in the past, maybe sort of four years ago, four or five years ago, there were so many different bikes out there. The, the Pinarello, Pinarello had one, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So many bikes that were incorporating these suspension systems in different ways. And now I would say Trek Segafredo is the team that is has such noticeably different bikes. They ride the Roubaix. I actually spoke to uh, the women's team mechanic, Mike Jenner, and I also spoke to Elisa Longo-Borghini um, about this bike. So we'll quickly cross over to those two. Mike Jenner, mechanic of Trek Segafredo. I think I'm right in saying that Trek Segafredo is the only team with a different bike. I believe, I believe that's correct. I've had a look round and yeah, I don't see sweep. many different. So it's been a busy uh, month building all the new bikes. So uh, yeah, for sure, for sure, we're uh, we're ready and we're we're doing something a little bit different for everyone. I mean, this bike has worked pretty well for you so far. Hundred percent record. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no pressure. <laughs> is the secret the bike or the riders? Uh, the, the, the riders have got to be in the right frame of mind. Their, their engines have got to be ready, but the, the bike will help. The, the changes that we've made, so 30mm tyres, slightly different wheel set, for sure a better geometry frame than our normal road frame. It's designed to you know, deliver them over the cobbles in, in the best way possible. With uh, Lisa Klein, we've decided to run a Madone rather than a Mane, um, just because... Primarily, her work will be the first part of the race. And that's um, all small, smooth tarmac. Small, smooth tarmac. The Madone offers us a massive aerodynamic advantage, which will then deliver the girls into the first sector of cobbles. And what is different about about this bike, the Trek Domane? So with the Domane, we have um, an speed system, which basically uh, decouples the seat post from the frame. And that allows the guys to have a little bit more flex, a little bit more comfort, which then hopefully gives them... Um, 
you know, protects their energy and keeps them going for a little bit longer. And I think one of the important things is the single speed, the single speed chain ring at the front. And you've got, you know, a chain catcher that is going to prevent it coming off either side because that is a massive risk on the cobbles when it's under such stress on the cobbles, isn't it? Oh, yeah, massive, massive. We, we really think double ring is not the way to go on this race. It has to be single ring. Um, but we want to try and protect the riders as much as we can. So running the, the chain guide on it just gives us a little bit more security. But the, the formula we've tried for a long time on the men's team before the women's had an actual Roubaix race. So we've brought that... Yeah, like um, education and knowledge mm-hmm. into the women's team and so far yeah so far it seems to work and we did a recon on Wednesday everyone rode it everyone loved it no changes so this is um, this is positive for me and what size chain rings do you run on the front uh, everyone's 52 52 is that enough I mean headwind today so no problem but Dagnan and Longo Borghini both won on a 52 everyone on a 52 <laughs> And it's their, it's their normal ring as well, so there's no real need to actually change that. Yeah. And having the the 1033 ratio on the back is enough just to, to give us for most sectors. The race is flat. It's really you know being in the right place at the right time. And tell us about your tyres and tyre pressure setup. What size tyres have you got, and what tyre pressures are you running on an average? I know the girls are all different weights, so there will be will be running slightly different. You won't get any tyre pressures off us to after the race. This is top secret. But um, <laughs> this won't this won't go out for a week <laughs> oh, or so. Okay, okay. So uh, longer Borghini 3.1 and 3.3 um, on a 30 mil tyre. We have um, a gravel um, wheel set upon it, which allows us to have a um, uh, a, a, a better like aerodynamic with the tyre with the tubeless tyre well you guys have an unbroken record and you're also the only team with a different bike for today so is the secret the bike is it Ina the director or is it the riders and the tactics I think it's uh, all the three all the three together uh, because uh, Ina is, uh, is always a smart uh, sport director we have the best bike for the cobbles and uh, also I mean a strong team <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, of course, you're coming back from that illness. Actually, after your performance in Flanders and a week to hopefully absorb that fitness, you might find that you're in some of the best form that you've been this spring. Well, uh, COVID is a very strange illness. Um, I know you know. And um, so far, I still don't feel myself, to be honest. Uh, I still um, have some problems sometimes in recovery, and uh, I really suffer the change of rhythm especially when it comes to like, very short and intense uh, efforts. So I'm in an okay shape, but I still struggle in some points, and I think it's normal. And uh, first of all, I just concentrate to be back to my normal normal Elisa, and then uh, I will work more on intensity and stuff like that. So far, I'm, I'm here racing because I love racing, and I want to be want to be here yeah it was a good surprise to see you back racing so soon and i hope that your health is back to 100 percent very soon yeah in italy we have before getting back to racing we have to go um to do some uh, checkups uh, we have to do heart checkups lung checkups and uh, um, a complete um, physical uh, examination. examination so everything was was all right all all the tests were fine so my body is okay just needs time you know it's it's nice to give some time to your body also one of the great things about coming to Roubaix being at the start and being at the finish is you get incredibly close to the bikes Uh, not just the race bikes but the bikes are on top of team cars I mean Lizzie was 
with the winner's bike yesterday. <laughs> Jumped so, the barriers and uh, somehow managed to get into the winner's bike bike area. So, of course, we just did a lot of general nosing around. Yeah, we did. I think uh, it was really interesting to see it. And, um, well, hopefully you'll enjoy hearing some of our musings from our wandering wanderings around the paddock. We're outside the bus of Total Energies and uh, we've noticed that for specialised, the teams that are running specialised have got a mix of bike setups. So some some tarmacs and uh, a lot of Roubaix's out there. We're just having a look at Sagan's bike. Well, it's a significant bike, this because this well, this is his spare bike. But this is Sagan's final Paris Roubaix bike, you know, and that is, you know, a, a former winner of the race. You know, a guy sort of changed the sport and. You know, paved the way for people like Van Aert and Van der Poel and you know it's, it's been a big presence and you know it's a really really significant setup. I wish we got another look at his actual race bike which is probably over here. And it, I mean his bike's in his bike is in second position on the car so I mean it's still they're still rating him for this race aren't they? Yeah. I mean even if perhaps we wouldn't say that he's no, I th- like to be up there, but they're, they're still putting, you know, they're still putting this bike in the second position on the car. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think well, and Bosenhagen's bike is in prime position. I think, I mean, both of them. It could be their final season as well. Bosenhagen also getting on. Um, well, t- just tell us what you're seeing on on Sagan's bike, Lizzie, because we're, we're looking around now. Well, so the Roubaix, they've got, they pretty much look a bit like the tarmac, but they have this kind of extra. Uh, sort of fat a bit at the back where the seats say where the seat post goes in and I think there's a bit of a suspension in the back of there some pretty fat tyres on their uh, specialised S-Works S-Works Mondos they look I would say they look like 32s don't that they is, uh, look at the tread on that tyre that is an interesting so that tread yeah. look at that that is quite similar to sort of the gravel the sort of combination gravel tyres that yeah. I would use where we, normal you know very sort of slick tread down, down the middle, middle with grip down the sides and I think yesterday at the women's race we were seeing. I actually saw some twenty eights, didn't we? I saw a lot. I saw quite a few twenty. Particularly, I saw them mainly among the spare wheels on some teams, and I was surprised by. Um, but again, like you know, a twenty eight is not strictly a twenty eight, depending on the on the rim, is it these days? No, but I think that the addition of the Arenberg in the men's race, or you know, or the omission of it in the women's race, I should ah, say, yeah, of course. means that it really makes it a different race. And because because it is such a difficult sector, I think that we're going to see most of the men's teams on 32s because you basically have to have your bike ready for the worst section. And if you're not prepared for that section, you can lose the race there by waiting minutes, you know, 10 minutes sometimes even for a bike change. And also we noticed there's a, a bit of a nick in back wheel of Sargon's tyre. I'm not mechanic, so... Okay, but maybe you want to tell the mechanic that they want to change the tyre. I wouldn't ride it if it were me. But he's working now, so I don't know if he... I would let him know if I were you. If Sargon gets a rear puncture. Okay. <laughs> I'm watching a big group of lads all in green caskets they're on the opposite side of the trench to me pretty sure that they've come from Belgium beautifully choreographed dance if you've seen the beefy as Ben stuff on YouTube from the Tour de France it's a little bit like that but without a big inflatable dinosaur I am having a great time
Wow, so he's just seen the first riders come through. A lot of the favourites. Here comes Niels Pollitt. Ganna has come through in a group with another Ineos rider. The group at the front, there was a Bohr rider and UAE rider. And then behind them, there's a group of two Jumbo Vismas. It looked like the Poor and Van Aert. So the favourites have already come to the front. This race, judging by what I've just seen, is already in bits. This is not the usual Arenberg scene where a big group comes in and then we see who survives at the end. There are groups all over the road. That must be the seventh group to go past. Tim de Klerk. Incredible, it's all broken up. This is ones and twos, it's never like this. So it just shows that if the, the word is out, you've got to be in the front group today because no one's coming back. And it's great to see Wout there, the Belgian fans are probably going wild. And Laporte was there with him as well, wasn't it? Exactly, so you know, maybe a little payback for Gent Webblegum. So that's that's why you do things like that because that's when you need a guy like that. Is that Christoph going by? There you go. Oh my gosh. Supe struggling, flat tyre, Supe. Oh man. What has happened? Someone dropped a hand grenade in the peloton, that's all I can say. A lot of musings there. There will be, there's been many, many, many more musings across the weekend, <laughs> which we will bring to you in a friend special uh, featuring Lizzie's husband Gabriel, featuring Lionel Burney, featuring a whole Featuring cast, you and I, Tom, Featuring of you course. and I, featuring a whole cast of characters. So we'll bring you that sometime in the future. But, well, the race is about to finish, Lizzie, so we should probably wrap things up. We should indeed. I mean, I don't know if you want for us to wait to tell you who's finished, who's going to win the well, race. We're but... right on time because it looks like... Vanderpol has Van just hit the final sector of cobbles. Entering final sector, about one and a half kilometres away. The helicopter is just overhead, and it has been a thrilling weekend here at Paris Roubaix. I couldn't have asked for a better weekend away. Um, thank you, Lionel Bernie. Thank you, thank you, Tom. Listen Wally. to this as he comes through the Flamme Rouge. Just listen to this. And there he goes on the Côte d'Azur. Taking the taking that final bend for the penultimate time, and here he will take the bell. Final bend now. Solo. He's got Wout van Aert almost Wout van Aert on his wheel. On his wheel, but minus one lap. Here we go. 
Matthew van der Poel wins. The Cycling Podcast was created in 2013 by Richard Moore, Daniel Freeb, and Lionel Burney.